1: Welcome to Beyond Politics, we're podcasting all over the world, and now we're on YouTube on the Blue Ant channel. I'm Paul Hodes. I'm a former member of Congress, along with my co-host, writer, analyst, campaign manager, and former high-level congressional staffer, Matt Robeson. Today, we're going to find out the skinny on what's really going on behind the scenes in the U.S. House of Representatives. Now, when I served in Congress years ago folks were shocked when joe wilson shouted liar during president obama's state of the union address my my what a difference a few years an orange president and a big lie make that all seems pretty tame these days nobody seemed too surprised when republicans booed hissed jeered shouted a liar and bullshit and it's your fault at president biden's state of the union so we want to go to the source to find out what this new republican majority really means. Our our next guest and I, a great friend of mine and of the show, had great front row seats together for President Obama's first State of the Union address, and we didn't shout anything. We stood up and we clapped, but we didn't shout. So not only is Steve Cohen an appreciator of great music, representing Memphis, Tennessee. He's an avid collector of old, useless cars. He's also a senior Democratic member of the House Judiciary Committee and a passionate and outspoken advocate for justice. So Representative Cohen, my friend, Congressman Steve, we're really glad to have you back on Beyond Politics.
2: Good to be back with you, Paul. Good to see you. You're put em. And, and to share this opportunity to speak about what's going on in Washington. It's changed a lot since you were there. You were there in the class of 2006. Most of the class of 2006 has either run for other offices, retired from even those offices. There are only about seven or eight of us on the Democratic side left. I think there we were at 45 or 46 of us to start with. It's, so when I go to Congress now, I look around, I miss my friends that I had in my class. I've got new friends, but they're not the same. And I look around and see
3: all these new people and realize,
2: that the times they are changing.
3: But and you're, you're making changing. Paul sound like Andy Dufresne here. It's like he he crawled through 500 yards of shit-smelling foulness to get to freedom. And here he <laughs> is. And I think you're well,
2: still stuck in Shawshank. We've had some good years between now and since 2010. The Obama years were pretty good. Uh, the first two years of Biden were the two best years I think a Democratic president's had in, in, in my political activity and maybe in since Linda Johnson. Yeah. It was a good two years. The next two years, we'll still get Democratic presidential actions that are commendable. We'll have Democratic appointed judges. And and there will be truth from the White House and honor that we can respect. The House will be crazy, but uh, we still got the Senate. We do have that thing across the street called the Supreme Court.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and look, so it seems like the upshot of the M- McCarthy deal that he made with the Freedom Caucus is that the lunatics are truly going to be running the asylum. Is that what it feels like? And I'm just curious, what moments stand out to you that an outsider wouldn't see that you've gotten to see? One, and
2: I don't know if it's that, that, that outstanding, but it was interesting. I went to a, a classified briefing last morning, I believe it was, and it was on the balloon, the first balloon. We don't know what the next three are, but anyway, to the balloon. And most there was a good crowd there, and there were six or seven administrative leaders uh, the general in charge of NORAD, and uh, either set deputies or leaders of the security agencies. And they made a nice presentation on how we were concerned about danger to collateral damage to people if we shot the balloon down over the United States in any places. Three buses, 200 feet. If it shot down, will it hit people? You don't want it to have anybody die, et cetera, et cetera and jamming of signals so that it couldn't pick up when it went over our more potentially compromised areas, defense bases, air bases, nuclear, sure. et cetera. So was, they they explained it well. At the end, there were only about 10 of us left in the room. And Marjorie Taylor Greene got up and had her chance to speak. And she got up and she it was unbelievable. I waited to see her because I knew it would be a shit show. And she got up and she says, I'm just gonna to speak to you like the average American. I'm gonna let you know what I think the average American would like to do it. The president's not of my party, but you embarrassed the president of the United States. And you shouldn't have done that. Eight days before the State of the Union, you let this balloon fly over the United States, embarrassing our president, which was her, like she says and she's defending our president, but really she didn't give it, she liked the fact that he was embarrassed or she thinks he was embarrassed and she was embarrassing more, but there was no press in there. And she went, we didn't know what was in that balloon. It could have been nuclear material. It could have been radiation. We didn't know what was in that balloon. And you let it fly over our country for eight days. That was just shit. It was bullshit. And I don't believe anything you're telling us. And you're giving us a bunch of, uh, we think and we might, and this and that. Y'all failed and you failed our president. And then she finished her diatribe and there was nobody there to listen to. It about 10 of us. And then the, one of the fellows up on the panel and looked like a Wally Bunker type to bureaucrat. Wally Cox, not Wally Bunker. Wally Bunker was the pitcher, Wally Cox. And I was proud of him. He started speaking and responding to her and she interrupted him. And he jumped right in. He said, ma'am, I didn't interrupt you and I appreciate you're not interrupting me. And she shut up, but she's unbelievable. And then she and let the press know what she said and what she did. She had stood up and talked to the d- security folks and defense folks as she did she made a fool of herself she made a total absolute fool of herself didn't know what she was talking about and it was just typical of her the jewish space lasers and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and that's what we've got she's a leader we,
3: uh, should, the have other used, day.
1: we right. should have used the jewish space lasers on that balloon
3: or maybe right, that's right, what exactly. she's saying we didn't know there could have been nuclear material, Right? there could have been, there could have been COVID, there could have been Jews up there. How do we know that it wasn't right. Jews in the Chinese balloon? I mean, we should get to the bottom of that. You know, yeah, I don't, you're don't right.
2: Leave. Now, I was just going to say, she's just offered the other day, in my city, we suffered a terrible police murder of a young man who was never had an arrest of any kind as of, the best of my knowledge, a traffic violation named Tyree Nichols. Sure. And he was killed by five Memphis police officers. And it's been a very much of a national story and a terrible story. of One day recently, I understand in committee, Marjorie Taylor Green compared Tyree Nichols' killing to Ashley Bob Babbitt's. Oh. And I just got so angry. I thought, how can you do that? Wow. Ashley an officer shot Ashley Babbitt in the speaker's lobby of the United States Capitol was protecting the United States government officials from insurrectionists who came in with anger and had been shouting, some of them had been shouting, "Tang Mike Pence, and where's Nancy Pelosi and all that stuff. He was defending us and gave her warning signs, signals and she didn't do. And Tyree Nichols did nothing and got the hell beat out of him and he was killed. But that's the mentality we've got, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let me ask you a question, a follow-up question about
3: that. I mean, first of all, I got real excited for a moment there when you said, I was in a classified briefing about what's been flying over the aerospace. I'm like, this is it. This is how we all find out about the existence of aliens. I feel a little let down, but maybe you can give me something almost as juicy. One of the things that we don't see, the members of the general public, is what's going on the floor of the House of Representatives and the dynamics there. There's a lot that you pick up when you're there on the scene that C-SPAN just doesn't capture. And I'm wondering, what is that vibe like? They had the Republicans had this massive internecine warfare breakout in the Speaker race. Is it weird? Does this feel like you just got done with a huge family argument at Thanksgiving and there's like awkward silence? Are there groups clustering together? Is Marjorie Taylor Greene like, is she sidelined? Do people think that she's a total nutball and they steer clear because she might attack them? What are you picking up from that vibe? I don't think they do. For
2: one thing, Marjorie Taylor Greene has gotten herself in with McCarthy, and McCarthy's accepted her as an ally. He's got a strange family coalition, but she's part of it, and she stood by him, and he's standing by her and standing by the rest of them, too. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is really out there. She's Mondo Bizarro, but compared to George Santos, she's normalcy. She's just plain, common, boring historical congressperson george santos is really the worst and then we've learned about this new woman named anna luna oh yes florida and she's another wacko she's a messianic jew but she's a catholic but she's mexican but she's eastern european part part jewish it's just bizarre and it all started it started with the orange guy that paul mentioned trump who lied more than anybody since Sonocchio and just constantly lied about everything where he went to out with grades in school, where he finished in school. I and mean, he was lucky to finish schools, I understand it, but he claimed his first in a class at Penn and you name it. But his lying got these other people a lie and they don't think twice about it. But the attitudes at the, at the State of the Union, when they call out and scream out, you caused this to happen and you're a liar and all that, it started with Alito and Alito shaking his head at the president, President Obama which was totally unnecessary and wrong. And that was the beginning. It was a, a Marcel Marceau just shaking of the head. And this is what we've come to. But then Alito, the leader of the five others on the Supreme Court, not, unfortunately, the Chief Justice Roberts leading it, they wiped out Ro- Roe v. Wade. They, and they may wi- wipe out more as time goes on, and I'm sure they will. That We've got some strangers in the Supreme Court. They don't believe stare decisis. And they're trying to legislate and rewrite the social fabric
3: of America.
0: That's shopify.com slash system.
1: So we saw George Romney, a sort of traditional uh, Mitt Mitt Romney. Romney. We saw Mitt, yeah, not George. We saw Mitt Romney. I wouldn't put Uh, anything
3: uh, past this day and age, right? It could have been the ghost. (laughs) It
1: could have been George. George was somewhere
3: driving a a rambler. (laughs)
1: That's it. But (laughs) so anyway, we saw Mitt. Romney at the State of the Union, rock rib. Now what we'd call the traditional Republican, probably the only one left in the world, go after George Santos and call and have a conversation. Santos went back at him, basically saying you're a dinosaur and do uh, is. So we've got this cabal of Freedom Caucus people, of whack jobs, and all these folks out there. But is Santos isolated? Is he weirder than the rest of them? Is it what's it like being in a room with him, and not just a room? The floor of the House of Congress is where we all we that's where we got our business done. That's where we could talk to people and make our deals and find out what's going on with people and talk, sort of just talk. Um, is it weird being in a in in that room with him?
2: I will say I've only really come in close contact with him one time and I walked in to vote on the Republican side, which sometimes I do. I come from Rayburn and I came in on the Republican side out of the Speaker's lobby, right. cast my vote in the machine, and then I walked and there he was. It was like Liberty Valance. And, and there was the that, that coming at me. And, and I just looked at him and I thought, he's here. He's really here. And so I turned to my left to avoid bump running into him. And I think he turned to his right so we were still on the course of, that would cause us damage. And so if we, I moved to work out around him. I didn't even want to see him. I kept my eyes away from him. I didn't want to run into him. I didn't want to talk to him. You didn't congratulate
3: there. him on his recent Olympic gold medal.
2: He just flies every day. But as, when I see him on the floor from a distance and I saw him at the distance on the State of the Union, he hangs with Massey, who's a smart guy from Kentucky, but a right freedom caucus guy. And I've seen him around Gates and around my friend, Tim Burchard, who I like, but he's Vote's terrible, and he's out there on the right wing and sits with Lauren Bobert and that crowd. But that's the crowd he's associated with. He associates with the crazies on that side. He voted for McCarthy consistently on the 15 rounds, but he did that to protect his flank so McCarthy would keep him in Congress, which he has, and not try to expel him. But he's not spoke on the floor that I know of. I don't know if he's resi- resigned from his committees or taken a leave of absence, so he hasn't spoken anywhere except with the press. But he's he's a sick human being. It's he does not belong in Congress. I've signed on to the resolution that uh, Congressman Garcia from California introduced with a few others to ask that he be removed and so that it could be brought with the to possibly try to bring it to the floor with a motion to, to bring it to the floor. You can do that in the minority if you get a majority of members, discharge petition can be granted to bring something to the floor that the speaker otherwise wouldn't bring. So there's some little efforts happening. I know that the the FEC is looking at him. Some US Department attorneys are looking at him. He's got campaign finance violations. He's probably got fraud violations. He's got all kind of stuff. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And course, this Luna woman seems to be just as bad. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is crazy. She said things that are just so bizarre and crazy. Lauren Bobert is crazy. And then they've got Gosar and they've got Scott Perry
3: and they've got, just, just, it's just, this. it's the Bellevue Ward. Yeah. That's, of course, it's... What's weird for me as a former staffer operative type is wondering who the hell is working for these people? Who gets to the point where they're saying, you know what, the resume builder that I need right now is to go work for George Santos. Another staffer kind of perspective question. One of the, one of the things I was privileged to get to do when I was in graduate school, I was at the Kennedy School at, at Harvard, and they run the new member Orientation program. They get all the new members together, and uh, my mentor there used to run that. And I, it's where got I got cam- to go. That's
1: where I campaigned to become the president, the first president. Well, you see, of that the was in you. 2006.
3: Yeah, you were already working the room. That I was, was already working the room. It's an interesting room, and what tends to happen at these things is you get a bunch of bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new members of Congress, and They're full of, oh, I'm going to come in and do this, and I'm going to create this bill, and I'm going to work with the other side, and it's going to be fantastic, and American politics will never be the same, and then it comes crashing down within three or four months. So the Washington Post had this article that Paul sent to me this morning about how there's this whole crop of Republican and Democratic freshmen who are all hell bent on they're going to work together they're having productive policy conversations we're going to have lots of new legislation congressman cohen how would you grade the likelihood of some of this bearing fruit is there actually a prospect of some of this new blood infusing some bipartisan progress in this congress or is this about to come crashing down they just haven't realized it yet more likely that I win the MVP in the Super Bowl next year than that Paul Hodes
2: comes down in a thong from the sky at the halftime show with his guitar. Oh, my God.
3: Wow. I want to see the prop bet on Paul Hodes in a thong versus the MVP. I think my money would be... I think my money oh,
1: man. Like thong, we, man. We've heard a lot of crazy stuff on this show, but I think that may take the cake. I've never worn a thong, let alone at the Super Bowl.
3: What about at the State of the Union?
1: That may, I'm not talking about what's going on going on
2: underneath. So, Norm McDonald said he saw you in a thong <laughs> at the Super Bowl. <laughs> there you go. You so, and OJ Simpson.
1: Yeah, me and OJ. Look, I, you've been, you're a longtime member of the Judiciary Committee. And and now Jim Jordan, what an excellent person, has taken over the leadership of the Judiciary Committee. It's a it's a wonderful thing. And so there's all kinds of interesting things going on. The head of the counterintelligence function for the FBI went to work for a Russian oligarch. There are questions about the New York field office of the FBI forcing Como to announce the investigation into Hillary hey, Comey, Clinton. Comey, Comey, yeah, Comey is the one Comey. who resigned
3: in disgrace. FBI field office has not yet resigned in disgrace. Yeah. No, okay. Cuomo
2: was the guy that was resigned in disgrace. Yeah. Terry Cuomo is the guy that sang. Can we get letters? <laughs> there it is. lots what and I, lots of I, letters.
1: I don't even know what I said. But anyway, it, the New York field office forced Comey to announce the investigation into Clinton that cost her the election. And so we've got We've got crazy stuff happening in the world of justice. And I read an article before the show from Slate that from, I guess now about a week or two, two weeks ago, talking about your chairman, Jim Jordan, at his first hearing, basically saying, hey, this is a crusade against the Biden administration. He's got some other kinds of crazy issues from his background and, and back home. He's the guy running the Judiciary Committee. So what's it like? How are you going to work on that committee? And I'm curious, what's the Dem strategy? And are there any issues that you think you might be able to work with this guy on? Or is it all just a show, a show for the next two years?
2: It's going to be a show for the next two years, Paul. I'll tell you about the Judiciary Committee. When I was a freshman, I was the only Democratic freshman who asked to serve on Judiciary Committee. And I was assigned to Judiciary Committee, and honored to be with John Nears, who was a great man who mentored me. And and I've been on Judiciary now sixteen years, starting by seventeen. I became rose to the position of where it was through seniority, where I was chairman of the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties Subcommittee. We had hearings on the ERA extension. We had we had hearings on. On choice, we had hearings on voting rights. We had hearings on tax against Asians because of their ethnicity. We've had any, some, you name it. We've had a lot of good issues and hearings before us. The committee has been changed with the Republicans. It's now called the Constitution, probably with a small C, and other government overreach. Civil rights and civil liberties is now out of the title because they don't believe in civil rights or civil liberties except for. People that don't want to bake cakes for gay and lesbians, that's civil rights to them. And the situations about going into a restroom without having a transgendered person possibly being in a stall near you, that's a civil right. They don't, basically bakeries, vestibules. And uh, so I I chose not to be on that, be on the subcommittee, but I chose not to be the ranking member and deal with those crazy issues. And instead, I'm going to concentrate my time on transportation, on aviation, where I'm the ranking member on aviation because we're a bipartisan committee. Transportation's always been bipartisan. We don't have crazies on. We got a crazy or two, but they don't act quite as crazy. And uh, we'll get things done. and We'll pass an FAA reauthorization bill. But I thought about what should I do? I've been on the committee for, been the ranking member. I've been the chairman. I didn't want to be the ranking member of the chairman. So I'm on the committee, but we'll get things done in transportation. They've got this committee that's going to get all the action, which is the Weaponization of the FBI, the Justice Department, and federal police—they claim to be very pro-police, don't defund the police, but they want to attack and eviscerate highest level of police, the FBI and the Justice. It's interesting that they think the FBI has been weaponized against the American people because Donald Trump told them that, that happened because, and he's a crook, and that's where the FBI should be spending their time—the most corrupt person to ever hold that office. And, and God knows how many crimes he's committed, and hopefully he'll be convicted of one or two. But you know what, I've had a bill in the past, and I'm going to have it again this year, to change the name of the J. Edgar Hoover FBI building, to take J. Edgar Hoover's name off the building. Because if you talk about weaponization of the FBI, of the FBI it was when J. Edgar Hoover was there, right. and he weaponized it to where he blackmailed Nixon, Johnson, and Kennedy to stay in office. He knew all the stink on them. He had a, the, Dr. King's rooms bugged and tried to s- get him to commit suicide. He had some group called COINTELPRO that tried to upset and dis- the civil rights movement and killed civil rights leaders in Chicago and other places that they got insiders in to get learn information and to set up uh, a, a su- attack squads to assassinate people. That's when the FBI was weaponized. And not a one of those people that are for that, not a one Republican, has ever. Joined on my resolution to have Hoover's name taken off the Justice Department's, the FBI Department's headquarters and have anything to do with him taken out. But that's weaponization. But they don't they don't want to touch that to them. Still, Jaguar's still a hero because because they just don't admit it. It's a joke. It's a
3: joke. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Does it feel to you, as a longtime observer—not just an observer—you're hands in on this issue of the real role of the FBI? It must, it, to me, it feels the intersection of Orwellian logic and gaslighting. To hear a figure like Jim Jordan, who literally looked the other way as a sexual abuse scandal was breaking out under his at Ohio State, to have him leading a committee looking into weaponization of the FBI against Donald Trump, when the reality is that, if anything, the FBI was weaponized for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's whole insane cockamamie QAnon-esque theory about this, he brought it to court. He sued Hillary Clinton. And it was not only thrown out of court for being frivolous, he was penalized $1 million by the federal judge for wasting the court's time and blathering falsehoods. This entire theory that Jim Jordan is following up on is just a cut from whole cloth insanity balloon, but it's also it's also gaslighting. It's also a direct reversal of what has actually gone on and what Paul alluded to a moment ago. The fact that there are senior FBI agents who are putting their thumb not on the scale but like up the scale to help Donald Trump and hurt Hillary Clinton. So Congressman I get the perspective of, look, if I want to get things done for my constituents, I'm going to focus my effort to get things done in the Transportation Committee. That has long been a bastion of some bipartisan work to get meaningful things done for people. That makes a lot of sense to me. But what approach are you going to try to take? What role are you going to try and take as part of the Judiciary Committee in trying to pierce some of this gaslighting and try and not let this just rampant bullshit go unanswered. There are going to just be a lot of that. And
2: most of the bullshit is going to be at the Weaponization Special Committee, which Leader Humphreys named all non-judicial members, judiciary members, too. He took people who didn't get appointed to other committees, were whatever. And he put some good people on it. Goldman's going to be great. And some other people are on there are going to be fine. But no judiciary members are on it. That's where the show is. They've had some shows. I was not able to attend the first meeting or so of judiciary because I was in Memphis at the funeral of Tyree Nichols here, yeah. Tyree Nichols here in Memphis. And uh, they decided, they did try this once before, but they were not in the majority, to have all judiciary committee meetings started with a Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance is fine and nice. And I thought about it during the Super Bowl. and everybody. We had the songs, patriotic songs, and the, it thought of it the flag and all that. It's all fine and good, but we do Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of each session of Congress, and a member leads the so truly members are allowed on the floor, and citizens are not, but not only did they get it passed, which is unnecessary, just an extra layer of the flag draped around them, did they get that every judiciary meeting will start with the Pledge of Allegiance, but that it will be led by somebody that's not necessarily a member of the committee. So the first guy they had lead the the pledge was a guy who's lived in Matt Gaetz's district and by Matt Gaetz. Turns out he's wanted or has been charged with murder in Michigan, and he the case is not held. I think they he was dismissed without prejudice because some a woman who this is a love triangle I think and she didn't want to testify, but there was a man murdered by this man he had come in, and of course Gaetz didn't know about it. It's ironic because during the debate, McClintock said somewhat facetiously, but ironically, we're not going to have murderers come in here and lead the pledge Well, the first person they had was a murderer. So Gates sent the family that was aggrieved uh, a flag that flew over the Capitol and whatever. But I just got, it's all these insurrectionists who don't believe in the constitution now wrapping themselves in the flag and having all these Pro America stuff, and yet they don't they have no idea about America. These are the insurrectionists who refuse to su- comply with some lawfully issued subpoenas. Now issuing subpoenas and saying the Justice Department's wrong not to respond to their subpoenas when they didn't
3: respond to subpoenas. It's just bring some faith for me, Congressman, because it does feel a little bit like the arc of the moral universe is very long in this case because these people are now in charge. But it does seem like they keep owning themselves. I don't know if you saw. I, I can't believe I'm going to bring this up on air with two for with a current and a former member of congress here we go congressman inside the democratic caucus was there any discussion of the hearing that blew up in the republicans face the other day about the chrissy teigen tweet were people having a good time about this
2: you know i don't maybe i wasn't in the caucus when that happened and i don't even know about chrissy teigen did she wear a bathing suit or something
3: yeah so she's a former model paul did you hear about this
2: uh something but
1: not enough to talk i'm going to do this i'm going to do this here
3: this is going to blow up the whole episode but yeah so this happened in a congressional hearing and i've sat through hundreds you've both sat through even more this is the greatest moment in the history of congressional hearings so they're doing a hearing on the way twitter got weaponized against republicans you shouldn't ask for that which you do not want to receive and they called up a twitter employee and they had the opportunity for representative new Representative Maxwell Frost, Democrat from Florida, a real up-and-comer on the Democratic side. And he asked the Twitter executive about the tweet in which, and I'm just quoting here, Chrissy Teigen called former President Donald Trump a pussy-ass bitch. And she had to explain that the discussion inside Twitter was, well, there's a limit. You can't do three insults. Two insults in a tweet is okay. So now you have this lexicographical discussion about is pussy ass one adjective or two? <laughs> two. Is pussy ass bitch one, one term or three? or three? I'm not sure I know the answer. All I know is I love this. I love every moment of it. And I just have faith now, Congressman, because of what you just said, that there's going to be a lot more of this.
1: I did see I did I just have to say I did see now that you tell me about it I did see the Twitter employee answering that question and first hesitating and saying you're going to have to forgive my language but she said he was a pussy ass bitch and it that caused some consternation among the whack job contingent they didn't take too kindly to that but it sounded like an accurate tweet i guess it right. wasn't deleted Maybe oh, a so you say it was an
2: accurate tweet, but let me ask you a question. Define to me
3: what is pussy ass. Oh, <laughs> you'd have to ask Chrissy Teigen what Why she meant. Why do you do this? Oh my gosh. You know what I'm going to do, Congressman? I'm going to call your communications director. I'm call your <laughs> this up right after we finish this interview, and I'm going to suggest subpoena Chrissy Teigen. She'll do it. Talk about a press opportunity. Let's really dive into. Let's dive into this here. tweet
2: and find out what she meant. I don't know what she meant, but to, I don't necessarily see that as being something that would be a pejorative.
1: <laughs> it might be complimentary <laughs> in the case of the former
2: president, oh, no. in, in case of society, and those are some of the some of my best, most wonderful moments have been with folks who listen. Like, uh, I, yeah, Steve, don't no, call you. Do. You're going to take us out. You should. I'm going to take you out. I want to take you podcast. out on,
1: I, I'm going to. I, I want out. to admit an
2: error I made. Yeah, with my good friend Siri yeah I, it was alan bates does that help you a little bit oh yes. oh yes. yes it does it
1: does not alan arkin it was alan bates in right. of
3: Hearts. that seems like a good wrap up that is the, a good wrap up for we the should show. get you out we should get ourselves out
1: representative steve cohen passionate advocate for justice truth and democracy thank you for being with us
2: thank you paul good to be with you